Good morning. What an awesome blessing to see all of our IBC family together at once. And so many other friends and family. Uh, we welcome you if you have not joined us before. Um, what a blessing. What a privilege to, to come together in the name of Jesus. Uh, before I get started, I just... The decorations, everything here, I, I know that we've got a lot of people that have uh, been involved with that. Um, I think uh, Dennis and, uh, and who else? Yeah, Dennis. Julie, I think, too. And then a bunch of people from the camp here. Thank you, Camp Maranatha. All right. And Joe, of course, Joe's feeding us. So, got to thank him. And, the, and all the youth who have been serving us. So Lance uh, takes care of our youth ministry. And um, yeah, he's great. And the kids are awesome. And they're all serving us today. And Lynn, with all of these kids doing their, their program, is that great or what? I had, I had four kids. Four of my kids were involved. Actually, it ended up being six, as you could tell <laughs> I don't know what to do with them sometimes. And then uh, Pastor Clinton, the worship team. How awesome were they? What a blessing. I can't tell you. Clint is like, uh, that guy helps me so much just to do my job. He puts so much of this together and works so hard behind the scenes. And he works another full-time job. So what a blessing. If you would with me. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And we are going to close up the first chapter of the Gospel of Luke today. We're going to start in verse 57. We're going to go through 80 verses. And up to this point in our series, what we've seen is prophecy over the births and the missions of both John and Jesus. We saw their mothers meet and rejoice as well as we saw John rejoicing within the womb over being in the presence of Jesus, whom Mary was probably only a few weeks pregnant with. Today we're going to see a birth, but this isn't the birth of Jesus yet. We celebrate his birth on Christmas, Christmas Eve, but the one that will proceed and proclaim him, that is who we're going to see today. That is John. And we're going to see his dad's reaction over the birth and his blessing of God because God keeps his word. So let's pray and let's dig in. Oh, holy God, we once again gather and call out to you from the, this world that is in such desperate need of the peace and the joy that Christ brings. We are part of uh, this corrupted humanity which Jesus joined to save. Thank you for sending Jesus, the horn of our salvation, into our messy world as one of us to dwell with us, to suffer and to die in our place. We thank you for his grace and his mercy proclaimed by John and the prophets and given for our eternal redemption. We thank you that you have given us a gospel mission of proclamation, not entirely unlike John's, which we will see. And you've given us your reliable word. 
We humbly now, God, submit ourselves to you as we open your holy scriptures this morning to learn from you and to know you more deeply through what you have given us to know you by the words that you have given us to understand. We give you this time in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, words are very important and words have meaning. Language is one of the most important means of communications, communication available to us. In fact, God has chosen to reveal his identity and his character through words. He started with what we call general revelation. That's all of creation. That's the basic means by which we know God. This is what it says in Romans 1. Romans 1, starting in verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. So unfortunately, in our sinfulness, our tendency is to reject what should be apparent to us. And Romans 1 continues, in verse 21 it says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so, because of that, God gave Moses, starting with Moses, he gave them, him words in the form of stone tablets containing the Ten Commandments. But he didn't stop there. Starting again with Moses, he inspired people to write what is now contained in what we have, or in what we call the Bible. We call God's revelation to him, of himself through creation, uh, general revelation, and his specific revelation with words... Special revelation, that is the scriptures, the word of God. Now the reason that he revealed himself with words in this way is because words have power. Just this week, uh, Joe and I were discussing movies. And I couldn't remember a particular actor's name. Perhaps if I had had a picture of him, Joe would have figured it out right away. But I actually didn't need a picture. I began to describe this actor, who he's acted with, what movies he's been in. Oh, Vince Vaughn, Joe said. So evidently, Joe's a big Vince Vaughn fan, so if you want to get him any Christmas gifts, Vince Vaughn uh, stuff, any kind of you know posters, anything for Vince Vaughn. Joe loves Vince Vaughn. Words, words will actually reveal more about Vince Vaughn than a picture will. If you had no idea who Vince Vaughn was, and I showed you a picture of Vince Vaughn, and I told you it was Vince Vaughn, you still would not know anything about Vince Vaughn except what he looks like. But I can use words to tell you about him. Let me experiment with you. We all love football, right? Yeah, come on, we all love football. Now don't answer the question yet, but after I describe a person, I want you to tell me his name and what he's most known for. And this is gonna be a guy whose name is synonymous with football. Now, if you're older than you, me, you may remember him coaching the Oakland Raiders. He stutters a little bit, 
His voice is immediately recognizable to anyone but the Gen Zers. He retired a number of years ago. Monday Night Football just isn't the same without him. One of the most popular video games out there bears his name, and he has a huge man crush on Brett Favre. Who am I talking about? John Madden, right? What's he famous for? <laughs> Raiders coach. He's famous for being the uh, voice of Monday Night Football and being an announcer. Now, th see, this whole idea of my truth and your truth is just nonsense. If I told you that I was not describing John Madden, I was describing Gwen Stefani, you would have me committed because there's only one person in the world who will ever fit that description that I just gave, right? And that's because words have meaning. Interpretations are limited to the scope of meanings of the words that are being interpreted. Words alone even have limitations. For example, there are things that we cannot understand about God from his special revelation, from his word. We can only understand by what we observe that cannot be described with words. When we communicate, we use vocal inflection and tone as well as body language. You can tell that I'm Italian because I talk with my hands. I can't stop them from moving, right? Even counting, if I say, okay, one, two, three, right? We can proceed that with on the count of three, but we don't even need to, right? If I use the right tone, I just point my phone and count and my kids smile, right? One, two, three. Or how about one, two, three, right? You know that tone, don't you? They know that by that tone, if they aren't doing what they're supposed to when I get to three, things are going to go very badly for them. There is so much power in words that Adolf Hitler actually had books burned because he knew that if he can control the words, he could control society. And today, we've literally attempted to alter the meaning of important scientific words like male and female to suit particular social agendas, and it's been effective. Go ahead and turn to Luke 1. Again, stay in Luke 1. We're going to start in verse 57. And today, we're going to see words and expressions of words. And then we're going to See why the Son of God is called the Word of God. And why the Word became flesh and dwelt among us 2,000 years ago in a little town called Bethlehem. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. It says, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced with her. In God's perfect timing, Elizabeth gives birth to John. As we saw in previous weeks, John's role would be to proclaim Jesus. So his birth is extremely important to the Christmas story. Remember that Elizabeth was an older woman who had not been able to have children. They called her barren. And, and, and being barren would have been considered a curse in that culture. You didn't have kids, it means that God wasn't blessing you, at least in their belief system. Finally, God works outside of the boundaries of nature so that she 
and Zechariah would have a son. And the people in Elizabeth's community rejoiced with her. That's a good thing. You know, often we can be so narcissistic that if that we struggle to rejoice when somebody else is blessed. Has anybody else ever struggled with that? Right? A little bit of jealousy. Like, inevitably, there's that one kid at a birthday party who melts down because he isn't the center of attention. The one blowing out the candles and getting the presents, right? It's like, look, kid, you got cake. Be content. As adults, we're a little bit better at hiding our discontentment and our little pity parties, but we still do the same thing, right? I've, I've done it. But you know what? I found that when I can step back those few times that I will set aside my own jealousy over my buddies out buying boats and motorcycles and airplanes and all the good stuff and being able to afford all kinds of pro sports games and theme parks and all the stuff that you know, we think is gonna make us happy, right? But if I can rejoice with them, instead of going, I wish I had that, I'm just much happier, right? And look, they get all that good stuff, but they don't get to be the pastor of Idlewild Bible Church. And this is the greatest church in the world. This is, this is a way better lot for me, yeah. Go ahead and turn to Romans 12. Keep your finger on Luke 1. But Elizabeth's friends rejoiced with her. Instead of comparing and looking for God to bless them more, they simply saw Elizabeth's blessing and rejoiced with her. If you, if you want friends like that, be a friend like that, right? And I think Elizabeth's friends say a lot about her character. Here, this is what, what Paul said in Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 15. Verse 15, it says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In fact, John Calvin said of this particular situation with Elizabeth, he said, God used this occasion to make them witnesses and spectators of his power and glory. Because ultimately, this was about God's glory more than it was about blessing Mary. It was about God's glory. And the result of all of this is rejoicing. And we tend to get caught up in all of our, our Christmas traditions. It used to be that we would line up around Target at 3 a.m. Well, I wouldn't, but other people would. That's why I never got anybody good gifts. But they line up around Target. Now we do that in our pajamas, right? We sit there till midnight on our phones waiting for like the sale to open up. And we, we, we hit buy as quick as possible while it's still there. And we just hope that they unload a bunch of stranded ships in time, right? And then we forget to rejoice. We're so busy that we forget to rejoice. Now, under Jewish law, a boy needed to be circumcised on the eighth day. And, and we're gonna see that throughout Luke, there are a bunch of parallels between John and the Old Covenant. And the first of which um, is that the Old Covenant proclaims the new covenant. So likewise, Jesus points to and establishes the new covenant. John comes before Jesus. John represents the old. Jesus represents the new covenants. Now, I'm not sure why they waited to name them, name him. Perhaps they didn't. His name was already John because the angel said so, right? And, and it wasn't necessarily in that time and place customary to wait until circumcision. But there have been customs 
at different times and places to delay the naming of a child because of high infant mortality. Uh, but, but even if that's the case here, the angel had already given instructions to name him John. And the people, though, haven't heard this, I guess, and they assumed that he would be given a family name. So let's go to verse 59 in Luke 1. Just keep your, keep your finger in Luke 1 the whole time here. And on, the, and on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his mother answered, no, he should be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what they wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. Now, for some reason, Elizabeth's answer wasn't good enough for the people. I don't know why. So John confirms what Elizabeth said. Some of you may have noticed uh, since I've been here that I, I, I like to go back through history. Uh, I like to see how our brothers and sisters in Christ have interacted with Scripture in the past. Uh, I believe that's a good thing. It's good to learn from the customs of Christians throughout history. To somehow think that we have it all right and that we couldn't really benefit from the people who went before us. And that's the same fatal flaw as our teenagers telling us that our rules and opinions are irrelevant because we're old and times are different now. It's the same issue, right? But, but the word of God always has primacy in every case. The word of God always has primacy. And Zechariah held the prophecy from Gabriel as God's word and held that over their customs. Nobody in the family had the name John, but that's what God had named him. So at this point, Zechariah is showing us that he was not controlled by customs, but by the word of God. Now, normally the custom of giving a child a family name was and is just fine and normal. But God had a special purpose here, didn't he? Verse 64, Luke 1, 64. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. And he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all the neighbors. And all those things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with them. Now, I like the way the CSB, the, the Christian Standard Bible reads here. In verse 64 it says, he began to speak, praising God. It's one of the ways it can be translated. He began to speak, praising God. R.C. Sprawl put it this way. The first words from this man's mouth after he had suffered through nine months of silence were praise and adoration for his God. Keep your finger in Luke and go to James 3. James chapter 3. If you can get there quick enough. <laughs> James chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. This is what it says about our tongue. It says, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. You see, the most powerful thing that each of us possesses is the ability to produce words. More than any other time in my life in this country, we are seeing 
attempt to control what people can and can't say and where they can say it. You may be wondering about that word fear here in verse 65. It says that fear came on all their neighbors. It may seem like a peculiar response to put alongside of rejoicing. But let's start with the fact that grandma just gave birth to a healthy baby boy and mute grandpa just suddenly starts talking. Like, people talk, and these are things that people aren't going to drop very quickly. Right? I mean, like, if a 70-year-old woman comes in here and just pops out a baby right here in this auditorium, we're all going to be a little anxious. Like, that's going to be, we're going to wonder what's going on. None of us is going to just kind of shrug our shoulders and go, huh, that was a little weird, and then walk away. That's not going to happen. But the most profound piece of this is what Elizabeth's community asked and observed. They asked, what then will this child be? And they observed that the Lord's hand was with him. In fact, God's hand was with him from the moment of fertilization until the day his head got chopped off. That's later on. We'll read about it. Verse 67. Verses 67 and 68 of Luke 1. It says, And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. So here we see that Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit, which results in prophetic praise. He prophesied, saying, say, he, here he uses words. Why didn't he mumble or moan? Why did he say? Because, you know, why did he use words? It's because words have power. He blesses or praises the God of Israel because he has visited and redeemed his people. Now, it's hard to see this in the English language here. It's hard to say English. <laughs> but the Greek words that Zechariah proclaims here show that this is more than just visiting showing up. It is supervision over their affairs to the point of redemption. Verse 69, he raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. The term horn of salvation is referring to strength, the strength of like a great horned beast, like an ox. In fact, we actually use the phrase today, strong as an ox. Right? When, we refer to, when we're referring to somebody really strong, I've never been accused of that, but some of us have. And since John is not a descendant of David, we know that this is referring to Jesus being the horn of salvation. Now, this one verse is super hopeful because from it, we can know that God superintends the affairs of those who he loves and that he is strong to save. Amen. Verse 70. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Now, verse 70 is speaking of God. 
It says that he spoke by the mouths of the prophets. God used the words of the prophets to save. In this case, it was the saving from Israel's enemies. But there's a wider context here. And that's because God's message of salvation is written to us in the words of Scripture. But God had a purpose of using such words to save. It was to show His mercy, which He had promised to them. So God's word is not only powerful, it is also reliable. Let me repeat that. God's, words, God's word is not only powerful, it is reliable. And like we saw last week, God doesn't forget his promises. And at this point, Zechariah is pointing to the Abrahamic covenant. And it's interesting that he uses that particular covenant. And that we can find in Genesis chapter 15. Genesis 15. Verse 6. Or verse, starting in verse 1, rather. We're going to do 6 verses. Starting in verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I, can sin I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. And a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word... Keep in mind here, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you're able to, to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And verse six is so important. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Notice that it wasn't by Abraham doing the works of the law or fulfilling any terms, but by faith that he was justified. This is actually where we get the doctrine of justification by faith, which Paul talked so much about in his epistles. It didn't come from Paul. It didn't come from Calvin or Augustine. It's in the very first book of the Bible. But... But how did God reveal himself to Abram? It says the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Abraham believed God's word and was counted righteous because of it. It was an oath from God to Abraham. And God always keeps his word, doesn't he? Let's, let's continue in Luke 1. Verse 76. And you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. Remember that the Most High is in reference to Yahweh, to, to God eternal, and here, John is connected to Jesus. So we see that the Bible teaches clearly here that Jesus is Lord. There's no question about that. And John comes before Jesus to prepare the way by proclaiming. And his proclaiming will employ the use of words to point to Messiah, to Jesus. 
Moreover, Jesus is called the Word when it comes down to it. Let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 14. John 1, 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word there is speaking of Jesus. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, this is, this is what we celebrate at Christmas. Matthew, the, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Luke, each of those have, have two, two chapters that cover the Trinity. John, one verse. The Word became flesh. But before John gets to the Incarnation, he describes exactly who Jesus is. So if you go up to John 1, verses 1 through 3, it says this, same chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John identifies Jesus as Creator God and puts Him in eternity past before creation. Before there was even a beginning, the Word was. In other words, during Christmas, we celebrate the fact that God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, stepped off of His eternal throne and into our messed up world to walk among us. To be born of a virgin. To live a humble life. To serve His disciples. To preach the good news. And to die in our place on the cross. Luke chapter 2 closes with verse 80. It says, and the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Now verse 80 actually covers maybe close to about 30 years. We're going to see John again, but to this point, John is described as prophet of the Most High. His identity is wrapped up in the one whom he would proclaim. In fact, it's John who first said the words that we always repeat at the end of our services each week. He must increase, we must decrease. Or in that context, I must decrease. Words have power. You've heard the claim or the chant, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think it, we should actually say names will never hurt me because words have power. For example, if you're a can cancer patient, that word remission has a lot of power, doesn't it? If you're being tried for a crime and the judge or the jury says guilty, there's power in that word, isn't there? For us believers, we have some words that have a lot of power. How about that word saved? What does that mean? How about grace? Or mercy, forgiveness, redemption, predestination, adoption. Those words carry a ton of power for us as Christians. And we know that we carry an enormous debt of sin that we could never pay. So then how do the words paid in full sound? 
Have you ever been in debt and seen those words paid in full? And John was called to use words. We use words. We proclaim with words. We promise with words. We help with words. Unfortunately, we often hurt with words. And Jesus is the word because he is God revealed to us. The word made flesh. So as observers of John and the hope of Jesus, will we use words to rejoice? The third week of Advent holds as a theme joy. We see Jesus proclaim the word of God made flesh rejoice. See, there's, there's great power in your words. Will you use your words to bless and honor God, to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to rejoice loudly in the goodness of God who keeps his promises and saves his people? And that's so the world may experience our great joy and our great peace by knowing God this Christmas season. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the great hope of peace and joy that you have given. And only you could give. Thank you, God, for your fulfilled promise of the incarnation, your reliable coming promise of the return of our King. God, make us ready. And yet, Lord, help us to live redemptively and to give, and, and, and ask, we ask that you would give us words to bring you honor by proclaiming Jesus. Lord, let us shine brightly with the joy and peace that only Jesus can bring. We offer ourselves over to you, our good God, in this season as living sacrifices of praise. Lord, prepare us and equip us. Give us words of rejoicing and words of redemption as we enter our mission field in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.